listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Ah, send us an email, please. We love them. Inbox at realitycheck.radio. Send us a text, 2057. It's the text number. You just put 2057 in and send us a text. It would be lovely to hear from you. One of the remarkable things about the whole experience of the last three years is what a wonderful people we are. And just at a time when all our leaders failed us, and I'm looking at the politicians who totally failed us, um, the government failed us, the, the opposition failed us, they all just went along with the scare story and became tyrannical over us in a truly hateful way. And at the same time, um, all the civil servants pulled into line. No one stood up and said, what are we doing here? Or hang on. Or expressed any sense or modicum of humanity. Sports stars that you'd look to all went along with it. Celebrities all went along with it. It was brutalizing to those of us who stood apart from it. And we looked around for leaders and they weren't there. Corporates all went along with it. We've discussed it ad nauseum on this radio show and we'll continue to do so because it was such a searing historical experience. But then the wonder of people and community came to the fore. And we all know people in our community who supported us and stood up for us. And then there were people that hit the national stage, everyday people we'd never have heard of. And we've had Steve Oliver on, who to me is a total hero, because not only did he do this, not only did he say, I'm not leaving young boys on the street with nowhere to go because of your dopey law. I'm taking them in like a good Christian would. And he not only did that, he did it publicly on TV, fully accepting all the consequences, and still his case winds its way through the courts. That, to me, was a true hero, because seeing him do that gave me strength. But amongst it all is our next guest, who I've had on before, but is the hero of heroes, or a heroine. And that, of course, is... Linda Wharton, who stood up to the madness, stood apart from the madness, and did more than that. She brought us all together, and she brought us all together with care and love. Uh, she looked after the injured. She looked after the bereaved, and she provided guidance. And she did it in a way that I couldn't do it. And that's why we admire her so much. We know we couldn't do what Linda had, has done, wouldn't have the strength. And then, of course, she was abused. So our political leaders and journalists, unbelievably, this, isn't it? It's hard even to say. 
went out to destroy her. But Linda is like, I think of you, Linda, like Joan of Arc. You're that brave young woman who stood against everything to hell with the consequences. And just with your love, you stayed strong. And I know I say this on behalf of everyone listening and everyone that knows you, Linda, you truly are the greatest thing through that whole madness. So welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, Rodney. Thank you so much. I always feel so incredibly humbled by your introductions. And if I'm getting a if I'm getting a good dose of hate from anywhere, I should just press the press the replay button and listen to the intros to lift me yeah. back up again. Thank well, you. Well, you you must have a wonderful partner too to keep you strong, and um, your network no doubt has kept you strong. But I absolutely mean that sincerely and genuinely and i know i say it on behalf of all the listeners you have been a rock and anyone that's not following you on twitter must so i don't ever post on twitter because i don't like the nastiness and mm. i can never think of anything to say funnily enough um <laughs> put a microphone in front of me but <laughs> your twitter feed is just a wonderful wonderful thing so thank you for that. I don't know how you manage that. But thanks, Rodney. We're in, um, we're in awe of you. Oh, thank you. Twitter's quite a quite a recent newcomer into my world because um, I spent the longest time on Facebook fighting against the the censorship and refusing to give up. Um, but eventually they did win and it just became completely impossible for me to operate on Facebook. And so we've we've always had the free speaking platforms on MeWe and Telegram all the way through. But, you know, the truth is that those those kind of freedom spaces like MeWe and, and Telegram, you're speaking to the converted. The people that hang out in those spaces are aware of censorship. They, they've they actively voted with their feet and, and gone to those less censored or uncensored sites. So when Elon Musk took over Twitter and made this big deal about, you know, First, First Amendment rights and the right to free speech, I thought I'd dip my toe in the water over there fully expecting that it was all just hot air and that, you know, I'd be censored and, and banned as I have been on Twitter in the past. But no, it actually turns out that that I've been given a platform that's an international platform. So I'm not just talking to New Zealanders, although I do tag every post with, with an NZ hashtag. It's an international platform. Some of my posts do reach the unconverted, which is what my work is all about. The, the the information giving aspect of my work is about it reaching ears that this is new information to, you know, people mm. that somehow have got three years into this debacle and still don't realize that there is another data-driven science-based, you know, argument to safe and effective. Uh, and believe me, that there are actually more New Zealanders that fall into that category than, than those like you and I um, mm. who, who are aware and awake to the lies that we've been fed, basically. Lies. There's nothing other word for it. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. 
So, yeah, so Twitter's a great thing. I'm loving it over there. If anybody wants to join us, we, we're not called the Health Forum on Twitter. We're called NZ and the mRNA. So NZ and the mRNA, you'll find us. Um, I'm a prolific poster. Um, and so it's a very active community over there. Well, Twitter could save the world in a funny way because everywhere you look, the ability to have the conversation that you're having which is, oh, here's a, an amazing report just come out, you know, peer-reviewed, published, or Pfizer's own documents or whatever, or here's a doctor saying an amazing thing, or here's a citizen telling an amazing story. Nowhere to post it but Twitter. That's right. Or, or the, you know, or the, the, the smaller freedom sites. Yes. You know, well, I followed, you on, I followed you on Telegram, and... I find myself now never opening it because ah. like you, when Elon Musk took over, I said, oh, well, I'll go, go back. And I just have a, an account, but I don't post and I'll follow. Uh, and I use a fake name and I follow who I like. And I find it's my best source of news. So like when the flooding happened in Auckland, I just go on the Twitter and I get real live time citizens reporting what's happening. I know it's amazing. It really is like the the new town square. You know, the town square of yeah. old with with um, the hear ye, hear ye, shaking the bells. Yeah, that's Twitter now, and it's interesting um, in terms of you know COVID vaccine injury. Um, it's interesting that Elon Musk himself actually posted uh, several weeks ago, admitting that he had had quite a serious adverse yes. event after I think it was his booster. Um, and he also shared that he didn't want to actually be injected at all, but he had to to visit his own Tesla manufacturing um, place in, I think it was Germany. Mm. He was mandated to, to take the injections to go there. So I think perhaps that has influenced in this space, that has influenced mm. his openness to to actually allow people to speak freely and, and not you know, take them down off the platform. He's a remarkable man walking amongst us because his success is on a gigantic scale across so many areas, and it's so enormous. And he seems a little weird, but he's so funny. I follow him on Twitter, and the funniest tweets I ever read are his. I know. He's got the most dry sense of humor. Really, really funny. And um, he's sort of childlike, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Very, he's, the, the, mm. uh, he's in. He's interesting, you know. Like uh, until until he welcomed me into his marketplace on Twitter, I I've I've always had you know mixed feelings about him. Me too. And yeah, and, and look, you know, I still I still don't hold him up there as some kind of. We never know, will again. No one no. will be held up there again. <laughs> no, we need to dis- we need to be discerning and and watch watch his actions, not just his words in all spaces. Um, but you are on Twitter. You're a wonderful follow. Oh, and another follow I love in New Zealand. And it's I don't quite understand Twitter. I don't understand hashtags. Maybe I have you on another day, and you can tell us about how Twitter works and hashtags. But. It seems to me there's another Kiwi um, who does amazing posts and is also hitting 
the international big time, and that's Corona Plushy. Um, oh, yes. Man, oh, man. I assume it's a guy. I love yes. I love the mashup videos that he puts together, and it seems to me he gets tagged by the international big hitters and yeah. he, followed. He, he's, he, he's struggled for the longest time to get a big following that justifies the amount of work that he puts into his endeavour and the quality of the product that he produces. But, yes, he's been discovered on, on Twitter, and that's the beauty of it. You know, you can go yeah. stratospheric with a post to the world. Um, it is a he, and he he's an awesome human being. And doing great work. So Man, I recommend people again, follow. follow. Get on Twitter and you're probably grannies and granddads like Linda and I. Um, <laughs> but don't be scared. Get on Twitter and amaze your grandkids that you're doing this Twitter. And it is just the best. And like I follow, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. Um, and I enjoy it immensely. And your posts are standouts. Corona plushies are standouts. Of course, you follow Peter McCullough um, and all Jay Batter. I can never pronounce his name. Batashari. Batashari. Good. Thank you. I might have that forever now. Jay Batashari. And uh, you sort of curate your own news, which is a bit of a worry because you think I've got to learn the other side. Oh, the other person I love is Matt Walsh. Do you oh, come across yeah. Matt Walsh? No, I haven't. Oh, my goodness. What? So I'm writing his name down. Um, who's Matt Walsh? Oh, man. He does a podcast on the Daily Wire, which you can get for free uh, through podcast services, and he talks for about an hour. Very slick, very professional. He's big thing. He's against masks and all the lockdowns, but his big thing, he's a hardcore Roman Catholic very conservative Roman Catholic, super, super, super smart, extremely funny, very dry, and dead set against transgenderism. Right. And he did a great documentary, which is where I first came across him, called What is a Woman? And then I come across his... Ah, somebody else has just told me about this documentary this week. I haven't watched it, but I wrote yes. it on my must-do list. So yes. he's the... He's the author he, of that. Yes, he's the documentary maker. And then okay. um, he is very, very funny. Uh, the documentary is a bit like Borat going around and talking to <laughs> these 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 mad doctors and professors about, you know, changing your sex and mad mothers. And um, he sort of sits here very dryly just asking them a question. And of course, always the question he was asking is, what is a woman? And, of course, it's the most complicated question that they've ever been asked. Mm. Um, so I follow him on Twitter, and he, I find him extremely funny. And what's interesting is I quite often find that I disagree with him. And then I think about it for a few days, and I think, actually, he's right. <laughs> because he is hardcore principled. And, you know, I, I've been so, we've all been socialized into thinking what we think rather than having it stuck to us as principles. And um, so he's a very good follow. I, I enjoy him. Let's thanks, get on to the business. For that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to tell, I love Twitter. 
Um, I go to it in the morning and at night, and sometimes if I'm bored during the day, I'll have a flick on it. But I just, <laughs> I just keep it up. And you're the star always. Um, and I sort of know you, so it's wonderful. Tell me, you've been supporting Ali Cook with her petition to Parliament. Where's that at, and what's happening? Yeah, thank, thanks, Rodney. So um, my friend Ali Cook, uh, who herself has an adult son who sustained serious uh, adverse events after his COVID injections um, and who still is not fully recovered by any means. Ali, uh, who is a wonderful entertainer, wonderful singer and songwriter on the New Zealand music scene, but also a mother of a now vaccine-injured adult son, Ali had the idea to uh, to start a petition asking or petitioning the New Zealand government to commence a Royal Commission of Inquiry into the safety and the efficacy of COVID vaccines in New Zealand. So uh, Ali submitted that to Parliament and it was accepted with uh, somewhere over 24,000, between 24 and 25,000 signatures. And they have actually given Ali permission to seek written testimonials or, or to submit written submissions to go with the, the petition. Oh, wow. And so what, yeah. Wow, which I didn't realise. No. Yeah. So that doesn't happen with every petition, uh, but she she's actually got permission for that. And so because of my work in this area and because Ali is a friend, you know, we were talking about it and uh, we came to the, the conclusion that we'd probably get a much better response if we both did the work calling out for vaccine-injured New Zealanders to submit their, you know, personally written testimonial of, of what has happened to them. Because our vision is that we have until the 30th of May, which is only 20 more days, to submit these, these written um, supporting documents. But our vision is to, to just completely bombard them with first-person written stories um, of serious adverse events and the deaths of loved ones um, in New Zealand after the covid Injections. Oh, that's amazing! Um, I did not. That is amazing to achieve that. That is yeah, astonishing. And that'll go into the into the record. So it's a historical record. This is it, Rodney. It'll go in the records, and not only that, but all of the all of the submissions will be published on the parliamentary website. Yes. So all the MPs will see it. All the members of public that know to go and look there will see it. And so part of what we're doing right now is is calling out in every place we possibly can for people to send us their 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 true you know heart-rending stories of everything that's happened to them um and we will collate all of those together and submit them to parliament uh, on the 30th of may and they will all be published on the parliamentary website um and yeah it will be basically a historic document how do I if how would I go about doing that? Okay, so in terms of where you send them to, I'll, I'll tell you in a moment about the kind of things we're wanting you to to write about. But the email address, if you guys that are listening would like to just grab a, a pen and paper, maybe or tap it into your phone. Um, so you can either send them to me because everything you send to me goes uh, to Ali anyway. So. My email address is 
the health forum nz that's all one word the health forum nz at protonmail.com and if you want to just send them directly to ali ali's email address is ali cook pr that's all one word so ali is a l y c double o k p that's p for paul and then r at gmail.com ali cook pr at gmail.com so either of those email addresses we will receive your testimonials and collate them together and it could just be a paragraph uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to spend a week writing it. If no. if, if you are unwell and it's a struggle for you, uh, make it brief and succinct. But what we do want, we want your name, um, your full name, your, your first name and your surname at the top of the page and your age. And then um, the product that you received. So for well over 90% of people, that product is going to be the Pfizer covid vaccine um so well that is page. that is the most astonishing and exciting thing i've heard oh, that's great. amazing <laughs> i was well, it look, is. i i had ali cook on uh and you can find her in replay she's wonderful the interview was truly truly magnificent she's such a wonderful force of nature but if i may i was a bit cynical about how her petition would be received and that it would just be binned. Uh, but if she's got the ability of put actual cases in with real people, that's that's unbelievable. That's essentially a parliamentary inquiry. The politicians will struggle to ignore this. Well, that's what we're hoping. That That's why, you know, this is Ali's baby and, and I'm just using my contacts and resources and, and my platforms to support her work. Um, but, I, I yeah, I just want New Zealanders to really understand. We have you know, to get hundreds. You, we have to get hundreds. Well, that's what we're working for. That's We just want everybody to just do this one thing to help yes. themselves. You know, yes. if you've been. Don't talk to been, me. Don't talk to me. Talk to Parliament. It's a, it's a megaphone. Oh, that because because Parliament is a place where we go to let off steam, and it's why in a Parliament I realised this in Parliament. You sit there and you hear all these mad people talking and mad protesters turning up, and <laughs> um, but it's a wonderful thing because it keeps the peace because you can go there and let off steam. And hear your views and and have them listened to and have them taken on board. That was what was so disturbing about the MPs refusing to meet the protest. But here yeah. we've got an opportunity to be, to let off steam. Parliament is the biggest platform in New Zealand, and you're letting off steam that actually has to be read because the bureaucrats at least have to curate it and read it and offer up. Um, recommendations, and all of that becomes public. Oh my yeah. goodness! And, this and, is an inquiry. That's become well, an inquiry in of itself, it's, almost. It, it, it's a it's a basis of what makes it, it's a basis. It's a it's a pressure that makes it harder to sweep it under the carpet. Um, and the other thing, of course, it does is once it's all been posted to the parliamentary website, 
it opens the door for constituents, vaccine-injured constituents, to actually speak with their local MPs. Yes. Um, and their local MP can no longer feign either disinterest or a belief that this is not happening. You know, yes. that it is safe and effective. There's no such thing as vaccine injury. When hundreds of stories have been plastered all over the parliamentary website, they can no longer do that. No, you could just say, look, I'm one of hundreds or one of thousands. Oh, my goodness. Well, anything that I can do with my poor um, resource and my little wee platform on Reality <laughs> Check Radio, you and Ali just let me know. I'll put it up on the bottom of the show notes so Fantastic. that people can um, do it. But I think we should almost make this a weekly session where we talk about progress because this we have to get the drum beating. This is the biggest opportunity we have. That would be amazing, Rodney. I'd be super keen to do that, to join Let's you every that. week. Let's um, do that. You know, I don't know what, what our time frame is this morning, but before we came on air, I, I looked through some of the stories that we've received in the last few days um, in response to this call out. And so I just chose three at random. And I thought maybe you might be interested in hearing the kind of things uh, that New Zealanders have experienced at the, some of I the people that have written to us. We would love to. Well, okay. it's a funny thing. We would love to, but we would rather they uh, weren't hurt. But here yeah, we go. I know. I know. So so Laura, um, who's only 28 and is in the world of early childhood education, um, Laura wrote to us the day before yesterday. Uh, she didn't want to be injected, but because of mandates in her workplace um, and because she's the mother of an eight-year-old child that basically, you know, needs a roof over her head, Laura um, was coerced and forced into receiving the Pfizer products. And after she had a booster, um, she immediately got severe chest and arm pain, which uh, developed and worsened over the next 24 hours. And this gradually led to months and months of bouncing in and out of ED departments um, at her local hospital. Each time she would go in with breathlessness and extreme chest pain, um, they'd put her on a heart monitor, they'd give her anti-inflammatories and Panadol for the pain, and they'd tell her there was nothing wrong with her and basically tip her out the door a few hours later. Um, and this just continued, continued for months she experienced a gradual deterioration in her left arm and hand that the pain became extreme and now she's developed a neurological condition. That means that she's lost the strength and much of the use of the left side of her arm and hand. Um, she lives with chronic pain, pins and needles, ongoing chest pain, vertigo, breathlessness, um, intermittent loss of movement, and episodes of shaking um, and fatigue that come over her. Five doctors have now confirmed to her, both in writing and verbally, that they believe this is a Pfizer vaccine injury. Um, ACC have declined any kind of financial support for her. And her latest update, as of May, um, she's on 20 tablets a day of different medications. Oh, my God. Prior to this, she was on nothing. So she she has gone back to work um, through supreme human effort and 20 meds a day, but she lives with ticks, tremors, and ongoing pain and chest problems. 
So that's Laura. She's 28 and her life potentially has changed forever through a injection, a drug that she never wanted to take and was basically forced into to keep a roof over her daughter's head. Oh, my goodness. The monstrousness of that 28, whole life in front of you, a mother and working. And it happened immediately, you said. Yeah. Start. Yeah. So the proximal... Five doctors support it, no ACC. This is why we have to, every New Zealander that is injured now has a responsibility to make a submission to Parliament. I've never put an onus on anyone else, but this is absolutely crucial because it's for Laura and the many like her. That's right. You know, one one voice of one vaccine-injured person goes nowhere. It's just blown away in the wind. But when all of you speak at once and, mm. and we support bringing all of your voices together in front of Parliament, um, this is how we will we'll seek uh, accountability um, and in-time compensation. So we have to start somewhere. And so that was you're not just looking for those that are injured to the extent that Laura is, but any injury, correct? Yes. I mean, if people want to write to us and tell us that, you know, they they were unable to use the left side of their arm for a week because of, you know, some actual Mm. local injury based on the actual vaccinator not being proficient at their job, go ahead, tell us. Absolutely. We, We want all aspects of harm that have been related to us. And and we're also interested, when you write your stories, we'd encourage you not just to tell us about the injury itself, but the circumstances of why you took the injection in the first place. Mm -hmm. Were you mandated? Were you effectively forced against your will, coerced into receiving the injection? Um, Have you been gaslit once you were subsequently injured? Have you been gaslit by your doctor, by... Um, you know, doctors in the ED department by the hospitals when you're admitted? Um, and have you applied for ACC? And what has been the response? Have have you been financially compensated for your injury or have you been declined by ACC? So we want the full picture because that's what's important for Parliament, Parliament and our MPs to understand the, the, the breadth and the depth and the massive variety of ways that that good, honest, hardworking Kiwis have been injured and then dumped by the system. Were you aware of Laura before the shout-out? I wasn't aware of Laura, no. So you're still getting new cases brought to your yes. attention? Yes. It's astonishing. Which is, which is really surprising, you know, given, yes. given how vocal the health forum has been for, for two years now. That is it's really amazing. surprising that we don't have all of these stories. New people are coming forward with this call out. And, of course, each of us know, well, everyone I know knows someone and more than one who's been injured, you know? Yeah, but it's it's interesting you say that, Rodney, because you only know somebody if you've been injured if you know what a vaccine injury looks like. 
Mm. And the vast majority of people don't. I'm sure you hear stories all the time, mm. you know, when you're out and about in the community and and you hear the, the context and the nature of somebody's radical unexpected change in health status. And probably you're like me and you think, I wonder, was it the thing? You know, like that's always the first thing I think of when I when I me hear too. of healthy young people who have suddenly, you know, been diagnosed with this fast progressing autoimmune disease or you know they've had a heart attack and they're 35 and they used to run marathons mm. just really unusual medical events i always think was it the injection but most people are still not aware that these are the kind of subsequent serious health consequences they still hooked into the safe and effective narrative so that being the case then they're just simply not going to recognize mm. the injuries around them well, um, I'm the opposite because the people that all the ones that I know of, and I'm like you, I, you know, someone gets sick and I assume it, but I'm amazed how many people have recognized that it was a vaccine. So one of my good friends, um, he had to get the vaccine and he happily did. He thought I was insane. Right. And or not just insane. He was very, he's a very nice guy. So he never treated me badly, but you could see him thinking, oh, you know, that's bizarre. And also he felt that I was letting down the team by not yeah. getting jabbed. And he was proudly telling me he's jabbed. He gets every booster that comes his way. The kids are all boosted and it's wonderful. All the time knowing that um, I wasn't. And right. he now has terrible shingles yeah and he says it's the jab he says ah. you, he said you did the right thing and he's suffering terrible shingles he said he's never had them in his life young man and um so i've got about three or four i'm going to tell them put in a submission and Great. it'll be it'll Thank be interesting. Me. It'll be interesting their response because Kiwis often don't like to put themselves forward. But to me, you're not doing this for yourself. You're doing it for Laura and everyone else like Laura. You have actually, if you thought you had a responsibility to take the jab, you definitely have a responsibility to put a submission. And if you think you've been injured, tell me any yeah. more. Any, what others have you got like that? Okay, so um, we also re received a submission a few days ago from Bruce, who is 61 and was a VI person. Bruce was mandated, uh, didn't want to receive the injections, uh, was three shots mandated. His last injection was February 2022. Um, after the booster, he experienced um, almost immediate severe acute illness that lasted for five days um, with full body convulsions, incredibly high fever, um, massive headache. Like so many people talk about the headaches, massive headache, not, not just like, oh, I've got a headache, but, you know, the, se the sensation that your head's going to sort of explode. Um freezing cold, boiling hot, sweating cycles, and a very unstable blood pressure. So in his words, he was sick as a dog for five days. Um, he went to his GP and his GP's response was, next time you make sure you get the AstraZeneca. 
Um, there has not been a next time for Bruce. He has had no more injections. So that's Bruce's story. So he had see... the first two without ill effect. No, he did have ill effect, but uh, minor ill effect, a mild okay. headache um, and mild feelings of just being off and a bit fluey, but it was the booster that was the, you know, the home run. It was the big one for him. Um and an interesting response from the GP. Next yes. time, get the AstraZeneca. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, get nothing. Mm. Yeah, that well, that's been his decision <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then we also heard from Heather, who is sixty-two, um, and ha- is a career teacher, a man, which has also been a mandated profession, of course. Um, she took the Pfizer in December. Uh, 2021. Interestingly, she she puts in her testimonial that she received no informed consent process. There were no um, risks discussed with her and also that she did not consent. She let the vaccinator know, you know, I'm taking this against my will. I do not consent. And then they put the needle in. Um, She is a a single mother with um, the care of a sick adult child who lives in her home. So she basically, you know, had no choice but to go ahead and have the injection. Um, Dose one, she felt immediately faint and her left hand swelled to double its normal size. Uh, She developed severe head pain and lack of balance and... um, so that was in December 2021. She then developed over the following weeks a whole range of auditory um, issues. And in 2022, she was diagnosed with acoustic neuritis, which is inflammation of the the, um, nerve cells in her ears, tinnitus, hearing loss, brain fog, and sudden onset glaucoma as well. Um, the doctor said to her that she would submit a calm report to MedSafe and then the doctor didn't actually do it. And so Heather um, ended up submitting that calm report herself and in keeping with literally every other vaccine-injured person I've spoken to in New Zealand, um, she had no response or follow-up or um, further inquiries from CALM you just submit and they sort of disappear into a black void, basically. Um, She's been ACC declined, despite the Ministry of Health telling her at the time that all teachers would have all their vaccine injuries covered by ACC. She is now back to work, but her health is significantly downgraded. She struggles constantly with exhaustion. She lives in chronic pain and she has severe brain fog. Um, and it's severely changed her whole life because of these auditory problems she's developed. She can't go in any places where there's noise. She can't go to church. She can't go to movies or a concert or a cafe, nowhere where there's noise because the pain in her head is so severe. Isn't it amazing the range of ill effects? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've been years in this field as a health researcher and a writer. I've been years in the field of researching old school vaccines, childhood schedule vac- vaccines and the HPV and the flu, all of those things. And I have never seen anything like 
the range, the, the variety, the wide variety of serious adverse events associated with the mRNA technology. It's completely unprecedented. Well, um, I hesitated enormously. I'm a great follower of Western A. Price and the Western A. Yeah. Price Society are against vaccines. And I agreed with everything that the Western A. Price Society was telling me. And, you know, and I thought Western A. Price was a fabulous man and his wife. But I thought, mm, I think they're a bit nutty on vaccines. And I weighed it up and I had a dreadful time thinking about the little kids when they were born, whether to get them yeah. vaccinated. And I'm ashamed to say on balance, I decided I would, and my wife and I having discussed it at length. Yeah. And but when that HPV one came along for my oldest daughter, who's 12, <laughs> we said, no, 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 no. Was that a correct decision? Uh, well, you know, everybody needs to make that decision for themselves. But for myself, having written a series of articles for a, a, a New Zealand health publication on Gardasil, uh, I think you made the right decision. It, Gardasil it is, the, it, is that the vaccine, is it? That's what it's called. Yeah, the HPV vaccine in, that's used in New Zealand. Um, it, it's certainly the decision I would have made if I had had a young daughter right. at, at that time. We're quick to jab things into people, aren't we? That's what I I realise. We just don't. We're going to get we're going to get um, more and more pressure, Rodney, to to expand the the scope of um, vaccines that we take because globally, with the official messaging um, and with the big pharma sponsorship of medicine regulators such as the TGA and, and MedSafe and, of course, the FDA, uh, there is going to be a massive new era of increased pressure for us to begin taking a plethora of mRNA yes. vaccines because this has been hailed as a great success, Yes, the COVID vaccine rollout. And Moderna have something like 350 different mRNA uh, projected pilot programs that they that they've timelined that, that that they want to roll out in the coming years, and and all of the old school traditional childhood vaccines will be changed to an mRNA platform. Uh, and as early as next year, the flu vaccine will be on an mRNA platform. Um, and while wow. the, yeah, while while the um, the paid off um, drug regulators have trumpeted this as a success, the the adverse event databases around the world tell a completely different story. So it's uh, you know it, it's going to be a, a new era of. Um, and a massive upswing in vaccine injury when all of the traditional vaccines are changed across to an mRNA platform. So parents really, really need to no longer just trust authorities, but start waking up and doing their own. So um, the, tra the traditional smallpox vaccine could end up 
shortly been delivered by an mRNA uh, injection? I I don't but, know. I, the specifics, well, but some of them. Some, I don't know that particular one. In New Zealand, we've imported um, the Genius vaccine for monkeypox. Um, it's I don't I don't think it's an MRI mRNA platform. I think it's an old school platform, but it's interesting that it has got um, the same problems of myocarditis and pericarditis associated with it. And I think New Zealand's just imported ten thousand doses of that, which is a small number. But again, there there isn't an informed consent process that's going with the administration of that. It's been given to high risk population for monkeypox. Gay, gay men predominantly. Okay. Gee whiz. Oh my goodness. And again, that just underscores the importance of this Ali Cook's wonderful parliamentary petition, which I've done a 180-degree spin around. I was encouraging her and I signed it myself and I was so pleased that she did it. But I was thinking, those damn MPs, but with this, what she's achieved. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. I'm talking to the wonderful, the wondrous, the magical Linda Wharton, um, a saint amongst us. And we're talking about the Ali Cook's petition to Parliament to get a Royal Commission inquiry into vaccine injuries. You'll recall we had her on our show with her son, 26 years old, injured, truck driver, uh, badly injured. And she's achieved something which I wouldn't have thought possible because we can addend to her petition the stories of the citizens, of the people. And she's achieved more than the protest will achieve in a funny way, because we'll get the chance to document the injuries and to tell Parliament. And that'll become a forever record. And it'll become something, if we get the numbers, impossible to ignore. So if you know of someone who's injured, or even you think is injured by the vaccine, please tell them to take the opportunity, if they'd like, to make a submission about what happened to them can be just a paragraph it could be a treatise and ideally say i had this jab uh i didn't get informed consent or i did get informed consent or i had to take it because i was mandated i got sick this is what happened when i went to the doctor um this is what happened when i applied to acc those sorts of stories will be very powerful and just send that story with your full name and your age to either Linda at Health Forum NZ or one word at Proton Mail, P R O T O N, like protein in the nuclear, uh, in the atom, mail.com, uh, or at, to Ali Cook directly, Ali Cook with no E, A L Y C O O K P R, Ali Cook P R, or one word at gmail.com. Please do that for all our sakes, for our children's sake and for our children's children's sake, because the sooner we can get a proper understanding of what has happened, the sooner we can fix it. Because right now, as Linda's explaining to us, this is going to come down, not at the next pandemic, it's here now. 
with every little disease and diseases we've probably never heard of, they're going to be turning up with this sort of technology. And as Linda's explaining, they're getting similar side effects. And we were just saying to Linda, it's the array of side effects, which is so shocking. And the depth of them, these are severe side effects. We had Patrick McCarthy on, Linda. What yeah. a terrible story. Such a healthy, positive man. Healthiest man on the planet. is running a half marathon every day for a month. Laid completely low by the vaccine. All but destroyed. And staggering about a day. His day. As a consequence of this jab for his job. Yeah, that was a, such a powerful interview. If if listeners haven't listened to that already, I'd really encourage them to find it in your replay list. Yes. Um, amazing. And you sent me that that beautiful video of him at the Edinburgh Tattoo. Wasn't it something? Um, leading the, the New Zealand... Army band. The Navy? Army New band. Army the New band. Zealand Army band. It was beautiful. And my background, you know, as a military kid growing up with my dad in the Army... I've I've just watched dozens of brass bands and military marching bands over the years, and they just they never fail to give me goosebumps. But that was a really lovely special one that you sent me. Yeah, he's very very amazing man. Tell me, Linda, how's it going for people? You think putting their friendships and their families back together after what was a very divisive and traumatic time in our history? Well, funny you should ask that because I I wondered that very thing myself uh, two or three weeks ago and I put a post up in the MeWe and the Telegram groups asking that, saying, you know, how are things now with your friends and families? Are all those, those fractured relationships, have they healed? And I had a big response um, and it was really, really sad to see that for so many people that responded, um, Many people have still got multiple key relationships in their lives that are broken. Some of them fully estranged, siblings that have not spoken to them for two years. Um, some people fully estranged from both their mother and their father, you know, adult children fully husbands estranged. Husbands and wives. Uh, husbands and wives, yes, although there wasn't there wasn't that much discussion of that. I think a few people talked about that, but the, the biggest one was um, estranged with adult children with parents that no longer speak to them, um, and then adult people with siblings that no longer speak to them. Those were the biggest relationship divisions that people kept talking about. And two years on, so, you know, some people have got no faith that, that it's ever going to be repaired. They think it's a permanent end to their family relationships. It's kind of the hidden, one of the hidden ongoing tragedies or legacies that nobody really thinks about or talks about, but has got a major impact on on the, the ongoing mental and emotional health of all of those people that have been affected. I am amazed how many men have approached me, whom I know, but some people that I know only as acquaintances, and I'm guessing a dozen, that around that number, and the men, surprisingly, have been dead against the vaccine. And the wives all for it and have vaccinated their children 
against their husband's wishes. For some reason, it's all that way. It's the mother's, it's the husband's who are hesitant and the mums that are gung-ho or prepared to do it. And these men speak to me literally in a confessional way, saying they're doing everything they can to hold it together. And they feel that their wife may have forgone their daughter's ability to conceive or yeah. and also have gone against their deepest concern for the health and safety of their children. And these are husbands and wives that are together. Together but changed. Changed. I mean, that that must, how can that not destroy the intimacy and the trust within your marriage? You know, you, you th those men have chosen to stay, but there must be something fundamentally broken and, and massively shifted in their in their marriage and yes. the in the trust and the intimacy and the love between them as a result of that. One husband uh, in public won't talk with me if his wife is around. It just talks with you privately. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's such a sore point. Well, sore point doesn't begin to capture it. And, of course, we have seen the same thing with families who were absolutely tight-knit and then – Part of the family fell one side of the argument and part of the family fell the other side of the argument and no longer talk. Um, I do not That's... know I do not know how you put that together because I guess we saw a similar thing with the um, all Springbok tour. That was sort of political and could heal, but this is so personal and so health-related and it brings children into it. And then Yeah. Those this is of on us, a whole new scale. We've never seen we've never seen relational division like this on on any other topic I can think of in New Zealand. I mean, like you said, the other things were um, you know, cerebral. Yes, a cerebral exercise, conceptual yeah. and cerebral. This is, this is, you know, severe potential, slowly developing health impacts for, you know, ch the the children in your family or the pregnant women in your family or anybody. Um, it's not a cerebral. It's, you know, it's deeply lived life, people's lives. You used an interesting phase just as we were coming on air, Linda, and it was that we were hunted. Hmm. And that has stayed with me. I hadn't thought of that before. You were definitely hunted because you were a public figure and you were hunted on Facebook. We now know that there were government um, bureaucrats uh, uh, riding off to Facebook and, and the other tech giants to shut you down, which in yeah. of itself is heinous. But even poor little me, who was so shocked by all this, I was just trying to go about my business, I felt hunted. 
Now you've, you've put the thought in my head because it was what are they going to do next? You know, what, what am I going to have to suffer next because I simply choose not to be vaccinated? Um, and I did feel hunted. It's, it's a great a, word. It's a, well, it's a, it's a description that has come, that people have shared with me over and over again. So many people, when they write to me or send me private messages, have used that that turn of phrase. Um, it wasn't one I I dreamed up. It's it's how people have felt, and I agree with you. You know, I I I felt the same way. Not not because of my profile, although I was hunted there, but just as an unvaccinated New Zealander. You know, the othering of us. Yes. You know the the yellow starring of us in itself yes. made us feel completely hunted, being shut out of cafes and workplaces and libraries and swimming pools and everywhere. You know, as the unclean. Um, in a funny way, I rather enjoyed it too. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes, uh, it's a strange. So, Rodney, well, how did you enjoy that? I've always liked the idea of being an outlaw. You know what I mean? But a good outlaw, you know, the one on the white horse. Robin Hood. Yeah. And um, when I found my group with Voices for Freedom and you, I felt part of a resistance, you know, the few. Yeah. That were standing against a madness. And I knew once I'd hooked up to that group, there was nothing they could do to break my will. Nothing. Because I felt the strength of the group. But I quite enjoyed that standing against the establishment and the horror and feeling the intimacy of the group. And even now... I just telling you again off here, I met a, a young mother who's lost her job because of the mandates. And within 60 seconds of meeting her, I could have hugged her. I felt I knew her. I felt her values aligned with mine. It was like I was a member of a wonderful club, a wonderful group that... Um, I like to. It's like being a member of Rotary or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a person that joins clubs, but you know, like I knew that our values aligned and that we had gone through an experience. I don't know. I I, to I totally agree with you that the silver lining of the the being hunted era for myself and my friends, we've had this conversation and various people in the health forum, the silver lining was that coming together in unity in uh, in a community where even though we all had different personalities and perhaps didn't necessarily like the personalities of some of the people in the community, mm. you know, as is the way human beings are, we were united in our values. Mm. and. It's interesting that that makes that makes you realize living through that experience is is you know just a great example of how 
how alignment of values is the most important glue. It's the yeah. most important connector in a relationship. I mean, certainly, in a, you know, in a marriage, yes, you know, that that's the the secret to a long term healthy marriage is finding somebody where where your bedrock, your base, your values align. Um, but going through the the experience of being the unvaccinated and the quote hunted. Um, we had a sharing of of the bedrock, the base of the values, and at times it was hum- humiliating. Oh, it was. I I started peeing in bushes. Yeah, you know, I used to go in places and use the toilets, and so yeah. I started going in in parks and in bushes. I sort of do that <laughs> when anyway, I couldn't but... get in. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and here's the other funny thing, right? I have no. The people, my friends that got vaccinated and tried to encourage me to or whatever, I have no ill will towards them in the least, none whatsoever. You know, my only ill will is against every bastard politician, including David Seymour and my ACT Party, who made us and who divided us. And my ill will is savage. I will never, ever, ever, ever forgive them. I've thought about this long and hard because, you know, I am an act man. Mm. And I mentored David Seymour, but I can never forgive him. I can forgive people everything, but not that. And the experts, and that's where Corona Plusy has done such a wonderful job making these videos, linking these experts, assuring pregnant women they will be safe and must get jabbed with what Pfizer itself had discovered. And I can never, ever forgive them. They are bastards, and I'm sorry to swear, but I know of no other word. And I will never, ever forgive them. Um, That was nasty sort of stuff. I mean, that was – but – to my fellow Kiwis that went, oh, I've got lots of friends now. Yeah, they all, I mean, most of my friends got the jab. It doesn't bother me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's I want my, I don't know if I want my daughters to marry kids. Yeah, exactly. I That's right. Work that one through. That that might be part of the prenup agreement, right? <laughs> yeah. mRNA screening. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting what you say about the ill will, about not carrying ill will towards, you know, your family members or your friends or community that are vaccinated. My observation has been that I've come across very few people who are carrying very few unvaccinated people who carry ill will no. towards the vaccinated. No. It's always the other way around. Yeah. It's the, the majority, the vaccinated majority who who some of which are still looking at the unvaccinated as um societal failures, selfish people. And none of us are none of us are even I told you so type people. You know? No, the opposite. There's there's grief and there's compassion and there's sadness uh, when your vaccinated loved one starts to get ill. Yeah. Not the not the I, I don't know of anybody that's doing the I told you so. They're just no. devastated when the the facts and the theory become reality. Yeah. It's like you can't compare horror. But to me, it's sort of like watching those old soldiers from World War II and how they had a camaraderie for what they've been through 
and how they lacked judgment of each other because they knew, given any particular circumstances, a man could be a hero or a coward, you know? And Charlie Upham, the greatest hero of World War II, without doubt, um, on the Allies' side, a lot of heroes on the Russian side particularly, mm. and I guess the Japanese in that way of bravery, mad bravery, he never expressed a judgment. And I feel I could have fallen almost either way, you know, and you felt that at the time. I mean, it wasn't. Um, it's just the way you're wired, or I don't know, it's the circumstance. Anyway, the point of it is, sorry. No, I was just going to say there's a lot of, um, for myself anyway, I I look at, read all the stories, and I I think to myself, there for the grace of God. Mm. You know, like, I I never never have any judgment for anybody that Mm. took the injections because Mm. their circumstances were so personal. You know, people's life stories with with, you know, mentally unwell adult children living at home and having to keep a home, a, a roof over their head, um, but not wanting to take it. You know, mm. the, I don't believe there's a place ever for any malice or, well, you had the choice, you know, saying, mm. well, you had the choice, you took it, you mm. had the choice. Many, many people didn't have the choice because my old, of their unique life circumstances. My oldest son took the jab, and adult son, and he knows I didn't. And we've never, ever, it's never been an issue. And um, he lives in New York. So it was, you know, the hotbed. And just to survive, yeah. you sort of virtually had to have it work-wise. And thank God um, he's had no ill effect. But That's great. It was never... We never even discussed it other than in a cursory way because we respected each other's decision, I guess. Um, Sadly, and he, not, all family, not, not all families are like that. No. <laughs> but well, I'm, glad I'm, that, I'm glad that yours is. That's yeah, wonderful that you could have yeah. that kind of adult relationship where, um, you know, the bedrock of your relationship hasn't changed yeah, well, because you both made different decisions. Yeah, we're lucky, I guess, too. And, I mean, we also, we never made a big thing about it at the time, if you know what I mean, because if you had it done, it could have gone pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then on my wife's family, some were hardcore each way, and that's still all right. But when we catch up, there are no-go topics like we don't discuss it. Yes, elephants. Lots of rooms with great big <laughs> elephants in them these days. Let's talk about the weather, not yes. the elephant. Linda, you're wonderful. I'm so pleased you're looking. I can. I have the benefit of seeing you, and you're looking a million bucks. You're looking so well. I know <laughs> you're on. You're about to head off on the adventure of your life touring around New Zealand, and everyone's going to see you in a town near them. And I'm looking forward to you getting down to Arrowtown and you can park your caravan on, too, my, on my on my paddock. But <laughs> I've got a thing for you and Ali. You and Ali are to go away and work out how best to use me and our audience to get people having the 
I guess it's therapeutic catharsis of and help to society of getting stories of injury and bereavement into our parliament before what's the date? May the 30th. So the submission has we to be have received to, by them. We, you and Ali We've only got a, 20 days. Yeah, you and Ali have a chat about how we best do that. And I'm thank you, Rodney. I, me and my audience will help you in any way we can, I'm sure. Linda, always a pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Have a great day. Uh, words thank you, Rodney. Me. Words Yeah, it's me. been awesome as always. I love our, I love our chit chats. I always forget that we're actually recording and we've got an audience listening. So <laughs> words thank you so me. much for having, well, us, having me on. Some of my audience complain I talk too much and I sort of take it on board. <laughs> sort of a conversation, right? It's not a radio New Zealand interview. Uh, there we have the wonderful... Uh, New Zealand Health Forum, Health Forum New Zealand, Linda Wharton. She's on Twitter. My goodness, just get on Twitter and follow Linda if you do nothing else. It's, she's she's so wonderful. She's a saint. Words found me to describe how wonderful she is and how she keeps strong for all the people that have come to her for help and her team. It's not just Linda. She has a wonderful team of volunteers that are helping her and the hope and encouragement and support that she's given, she literally has done the work of several government departments. And those government departments that we fund and pay for to look after us when we need it have failed the vaccine injured. And the wonderful Linda Wharton has picked them up and cared for them and looked after them. She has the biggest heart and the biggest spirit of anyone I have ever known. And when the history of this peculiar time is written up, there'll be a special place for our Joan of Arc, our St. Linda. So you're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We've had the privilege and the pleasure of one of our lovely living legends. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio.